Good morning. Welcome to the vineyard. Very glad you're here this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Listen, if you are a first-time guest or visitor, this is for you, this, this next moment. And that thing on the screen that you see is a QR code. And amazingly now, if you just point your phone at that with your camera on, you've got to have your camera on, uh, it will have this little pop-up thing that comes up. And if you hit that, it's a place for you if you would like to give us a little information about yourself. What it asks for is your name, your email address, and your phone number. What we'll do with that information as you give it to us is over the next 30 days or so, you'll get a couple of texts and a couple of emails. That's it. So if you're a first-time guest or visitor, we'd ask you to do that. And then if you didn't on your way in, um, go back to guest services when you're done, and there's a little guest, there's a little first-time guest gift that uh, is kind of nice. So pick that up. But we just want to connect a little better, and it'll give you a little information and stuff. And that's all. And then uh, they'll stop happening. You won't. It's not like you go on an email list forever, and uh, it will it will stop. All right. So that's for you guys, and that's how that works. Don't take a picture of it. Just point at it, and you'll see a little thing pop over it. That's how that works. Okay. And we're so glad you're here, everybody. Those of you that have been here more than once, welcome. <laughs> we're very glad that you're back. We, uh, we're in a series called, Are You Ready? And you can see I'm, I'm, uh, this is becoming a long series. It's 15 weeks. And I, I, I got like six more weeks that I want to do on it. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up and got other directions to go in. But, uh, primarily this series is about hope. You need to know that. And we've talked about our hope when we got started and our hope is better than we've often thought that our hope doesn't sort of end with, you know, escaping up onto a cloud with a harp. That we've read Revelation 21 and we see that, you know, New Jerusalem, heaven comes down to earth. Earth is renewed and restored. We get new physical bodies and things are back the way they were in the beginning. And um, we're partnering with God and uh, he's walking with us. And it's a whole new adventure. That that's our hope. And that Peter said, listen, you need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. And so we, we understand our hope a little better. And now we're looking through the scripture as, as, because we can see how all of that gives us reason for that hope. And there's so many reasons in the scripture and so many great things that have happened and are happening that we tie together. And we've been doing that in the series. And, and now 15 weeks in, there's so many things that we've talked about. I can't talk about them all in the intro. I've tried and then I don't have any time to speak. So... Uh, Go look for some of the big themes that we've been talking about. But the last few weeks, we've really been talking about the kingdom of God. And when you read about the kingdom of God in the scripture, do not think place, because that's what people tend to do. They see kingdom of God and almost automatically think, oh, he's talking about heaven. It's not. The kingdom of God is about God's rule and reign, his authority. It's about God being king. And that changes the way that that um, helps you see and understand the scripture. And... Last week, we jumped into Mark chapter 4, and we looked at the parable there. And I said we're going to talk about parables for a few weeks. And what parables do is that parables are stories that reveal the kingdom of God. And so they're very, very important. And, and Jesus spoke in parables for that reason. And that the, the fascinating thing is about a parable is that really to understand it, you have to engage in relationship with God. It's kind of an all-in thing, all-in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, love God with everything that you have. And as you do that, as you press in, the parables then come to life. It's not something you get on a surface read. They, they uh, you know, his disciples didn't get it, and they were explained by Jesus. 
We don't get it, but we have Holy Spirit who explains them to us and shows them what it's all about. And, and so the call on, on this whole thing is that as you push into parables, as you engage with them, the, the, the kingdom is revealed. And, and I love the parables because you can go and see things that you didn't see the last time you read the parable, when you read it again. We, we're going to look at Luke 15 today, and we didn't talk about it that long ago, but just in studying for it, it opens back up again. You know, it's the amazing things about... What's happening? And so the parables are very important as we began to talk about last week. And, uh, you know, that, that in, in Mark 4, it was about the different types of seeds that were sown. And the reality is that the fruitful life are people that press in, that get a hold of it, that, that take it and, and, you know, engage with God and realize that it's not about our agenda, it's His agenda. Our ways are not His ways and our thoughts are not His thoughts and, and that you have to press into them. And the, the resistance comes from the fact that what we would often want to do is, is not press in and engage in this relationship that we're invited into. We almost sort of want to say, just tell me what the rules are, and I'll do that. And that's kind of what's happened in, in this whole process, and that's not how it works. But let me also say this, because I, I think some people hear me talk about, you know, it's not about being a rule follower, that that means that... Rules aren't important. Well, sure, there's, there's um, some reasons to have some rules in our lives. Uh, I live in a community in, uh, on Kudjo Key that has a lot of rules. And, and it's, I'm not hiding. It's Venture Out. I live in Venture Out. I love Venture Out. We have a great time there. Uh, and um, we've been there, I think, six years now. A couple of years before then, I felt like I wanted to live in there. And so I started talking to some friends that I had who lived in there. said, listen, keep your eye open for something that pops up. Because I like to get in there. One of my friends kept saying, you won't like it there. There's too many rules. And I'm like, I, as long as I know what the rules are, I don't care. You know, I can follow rules. And I think he was thinking, because I'm always talking about not being a rule follower, you're going to hate it. That's not the issue at all. Some, it's good to have some rules in place. We need some rules in our lives. Alice and I were having coffee this week, and we talked about that. That, that you know, r- the rules can kind of help you move and do the next right thing. And we don't want everybody just doing what they think is right. You know, it's like, it's like it's important that there's speed limits on the road. You might not agree with them, but, but it's still important because people could go crazy. They could go way over it or way under it. and make it. So there's reason to have rules. But here's what rules can't do. Rules will never take the place of relationship. And, and see, relationship requires intimacy. And, and that can be difficult. And, and, and yet that's what God wants. Think about it. God's done everything so he can be in relationship with us. That's what he wants. And yet rather than engage with him and press into that and do what that's called to, we would almost rather say, yeah, just show me the rules because that's easier. And if I'm doing the rules and I'm performing well and then we're going to be okay. But that's not what God wants with us. God wants something far greater than that. He wants this amazing relationship that he's always wanted. God, I've told you from the beginning of this series, God wants to dwell with us. He wants to relate to us. In all of the mess and everything else that we have, he wants to relate with us and that we need to understand that. So if you don't hear me say anything else today, write that one down. You can't replace relationship with rules. But that really opens things up for us. Okay, Uh, we're going to be looking at some more parables today uh, in just a moment in Luke chapter 15. Bad jokes before I do that. These were quite bad, just so you know. That's that's the name, bad jokes. I've got some racing geese for sale. 
Let me know if you want a quick gander. I just finished reading a book about the greatest basement that ever existed. It was a bestseller. (laughs) All right, Billy gave me this one. I bought a new boomerang, but I can't figure out how to throw the old one out. Alice, come. Lead us in the reading of the word, please. Billy's joke got the best laugh. I know. <laughs> he probably won't tell another one of yours for a month. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Let's, let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word together this morning? Father, we are so grateful for all that you're doing in our life. And, Father, as we gather to here this morning, I pray that you would touch each one of us, that we would hear what we need to hear, that we would dive deeper into you. Father, we know that relationship with you is the only way to get through life in a good way. And, Lord, I pray that in that intimate relationship, Lord, we would be renewed and healed and filled let no one leave here today not knowing how much they're loved by you in jesus name amen will you stand with me please for the reading of the word this is luke chapter 15 as steve said verses 1 through 10 and this is the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear jesus But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all may be seated. All right. So. Luke 15 is an amazing passage, and, and there's three stories in it, and they're, they're, they all basically have, they have this one thing in common, is that there's always a party in these stories. There's a celebration that's happening, and um, that's something that was true about Jesus' ministry. Everywhere he went, it was basically a party. If you go back and read Luke 15, I mean Luke, all of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, you'll see that there's... Wherever he goes, there's parties happening. Jesus is celebrating with people that have been healed. Jesus is celebrating with people, you know, outcasts that have been restored. Uh, and, and he bumps up against this group who don't like it. And that's the Pharisees. 
And the Pharisees, you know, he's, that's who he's talking to with these stories, these Pharisees. And if you, they were introduced in the beginning of the chapter. They were muttering, uh, that, you know, look, Jesus eats with these people. He hangs out with these people. And um, they're referring to tax collectors and sinners. I always liked the fact that back then sinners wasn't a big enough topic. Tax collectors had their own. So uh, the worst of the worst, you got well, worst of the worst, and sinners, and then the, the horrible worst of the worst. And that's who he's talking to, and he, he starts talking to them about um, things that are lost and, and what's going on. And, and so you sort of have to catch that's what this is about. Why don't the Pharisees like these people? Well, the Pharisees, we'll call them the rule followers, and, and they only want the rescue for themselves. They don't even want it for all of Israel, not less every other nation. They want it for themselves and only people like them, people that have sort of the, the other rule followers. And you can't just dismiss them as being evil, although they do a lot of evil things. They started well. Um, the, the Pharisees started a couple hundred years before this times, and, and their, their whole purpose was to protect their scripture, Torah, from being changed by the, the Greek culture that had sort of taken over everything at the time. And so they, they banded together to do that, but the way they came up with doing that was by adding a bunch of rules. And so they took the sort of ten basic ones and added another 630-some. So that by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, the, the, there are so many rules to follow that no one can connect with God. No one can even get close. Pharisees can't even get close. Nobody can do it. And, and yet, the, the Pharisees don't like these people that Jesus is celebrating with. And, and these people are drawn, and I love the fact that even though they don't like any of it, the Pharisees are drawn to it all too, because it's Jesus. And yet they just can't make this whole thing work for themselves. Why would he hang out with these people? Why isn't he just hanging out with us? We're the ones who get it. And the, the Pharisees' thought was that the way that the kingdom of God was going to come is going to be if the people all observe the law properly, then the kingdom of God would come. But what Jesus is saying is that's not how it's going to come. Uh, it's going to be completely different. The kingdom is coming because of what God is doing. And he's wanting them to look at the ideas that have been before them, to the things about new creation and the end of exile in Isaiah. He keeps bringing up those scriptures, uh, tying in the, the jubilee of jubilees that we read about in Daniel, and, and that... That the new things are happening now. God is setting things right. Because of what Jesus is doing, you can see that something is different. And he's saying the kingdom is here. And he begins by telling them these stories. And and like I said, all stories, Alice read the first two, we'll talk about the last one in a minute. They're all related by the celebration and the party that happens. So why? Why is there a party? Why is there a celebration? What's taking place? Well, as Jesus begins to talk, he talks about things that they might understand. He starts talking about sheep, and he talks about a lost sheep. And he says, listen, if you had a hundred sheep, and at the end of the night when you counted them, you were putting them in the pen, you realized you were one short, you wouldn't just go, eh, well, I got 99, I'm good. What would you do? I've got a lost sheep. That lost sheep has value. That lost sheep is worth going to rescue, to find. We're going to search for it. And, and you go out and, and when something is lost that has value, it makes you feel funny. And you, you start to look for it. And when you find it, there's that sense of relief that happens. It's, ah, okay, we, we found it. It's so important. And this story happens and they go out and, and, uh, and they find the sheep. And, and what happens in the story? Jesus says, look, I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven. There'll be a bigger celebration in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
Now, now people read that and think, well, really, is that is there, is there 99 righteous people that don't? It's not the issue because they all need to repent. The issue is something was lost that has value and you need to go and look for it. Because the Pharisees, what do they think? They think there's a whole bunch of people that have no value whatsoever. And yet the heart of Jesus is that all people have value and that he's actually come. He's, you know, he's, he's stepped out of the throne room. He's taken on flesh. He's lived his life perfectly for us. He's on this giant rescue mission because all people have value and he wants to rescue them. They're lost and he wants to find them and restore them. And in this story, what happens is there's, there's this celebration, rejoicing in heaven. There's also this connection you need to make. Because I tell you, heaven and earth overlap. Don't think of heaven as being million. There's just a thin veil separating that at this moment. And because Jesus is an overlap, what's happening is if they're celebrating in heaven, they're ought to be celebrating here. And so that's taking place on this whole thing. He's standing in the overlap. Well, in the same way, with the lost coin... Uh, you see this. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What's happened with the lost coin? This, this woman has lost a coin. She has ten. It probably is her dowry or something. It's an important thing. Um, but she doesn't just go, oh, well, I've got nine. I'm good. I'm missing a coin. Let's go search for it. What happens when she finds it? There's a celebration. And this time it says the angels are celebrating. And the thought is if the angels are celebrating, we ought to be celebrating. So what are they all celebrating? Well, what they're celebrating in in the story, what the picture is, they're celebrating repentance. Because that's connecting between them. There's over one sinner who repents, over one sinner who repents. And and so what's repentance? And well, there's there's... There's a there's an individual form of this. It's very important. It's when we we come to our senses and we turn towards God. And and so there's repentance and forgiveness of sin that needs to happen on an individual basis. But in the bigger story of what's happening, it's also a, a picture about all these events that are happening uh, at this point in time when Jesus arrives on the scene. And the people have been waiting for something. You know, the Jubilee, they've been waiting for that time of Messiah to show up. They've been, it's been prophesied. They're right in that 490-year mark from the exile. And, and they want this picture of exile being over. And yes, they've come back into the land and built the temple, but the presence of God hasn't shown up the way he's supposed to. And they're all looking for something to happen. And, and, and so here comes Jesus on the scene and Things begin to change, uh, and, and yet it's, it's not quite right, and they're waiting for something to happen, and, and this exile needs to be over. And what it looks like is that the people of Israel, what they need to do is they need to sort of nationally repent, if you would. We've been in exile so long, but we've been there because of what we've done. We turned to idolatry. And because of our idolatry, what's happened is God has allowed us to be ruled by foreign forces. But now we're going to turn back with our whole hearts and God's going to do the new thing that we've been waiting for. See, repentance and forgiveness are about a return from exile. It's about the end of exile. See, it happens to us individually. When we come to our senses and we ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, what happens is we're freed from exile. It's over. We go from being being lost to being found. We go from being in the enemy's camp into being God's camp. We go from darkness to light. All these things change. It's the end of exile for us, and we move into this new thing, this relationship with God, the thing that he's doing and has wanted to do 
all along. And, and that's why there's a celebration. It's this picture of the kingdom has come. It's just not what you looked like, not what you thought it was going to look like, but it's here and things are changing the way they're supposed to. And it should remind you, Jesus is telling these guys, should remind you of everything you read about in Isaiah that we've talked about. It should remind you of the stuff that we read about in Daniel 9, the, the, the 77s and the time of Jubilee. It should remind you uh, of Jeremiah and the covenant he talks about, the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 32 and 33. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the the hand to lead them out of Egypt. And you've, we've talked about Exodus and what God rescues these people, not because they deserved it, but because he loves them. But they broke my covenant. I, I, said, I said to them, here's what God said with the ten words. He said, listen, this is how we're going to love each other. These, these words that I give you are about our relationship together. Love me and love one another and love yourself. And that's what it looks like. But, and even though I was his husband to them, that was the picture. They, they broke it. So he said, this is a covenant I'll make with the people of Israel after that time. When at the end of exile, what's going to happen to close the Lord is I'll put my law in their minds and I'll write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. We're going to be restored again in relationship with God. And it won't be about a list of rules. I'm going to write them on you and put them in you and work with you in them. And he goes on in Jeremiah. This isn't in your notes in chapter 36. And it says, I'll put my spirit. Within you. So what's going to happen is at the end of exile, Holy Spirit's going to come. Jesus sends him. And, and rather than a list of things that we do and don't do, what we have is Holy Spirit and we learn to listen to him and we yield to him and we, we flow with him. See, it's, it's not about following rules. It's about following Jesus. And that's the change that begins to happen. But what sticks where people get stuck is this. See, because the new thing has happened and it's time to celebrate but are you going to do it your way or are you going to do it his way? And that becomes the bigger issue. And he's dealing with these Pharisees, the hard-hearted folks who said, no, it's this way and we don't care about any of those people. And Jesus said, no, no, they all have value. God loves them. We're going to do it his way. And the kingdom has come not by the observance of a bunch of rules, but because of what God is doing. And it's here and it's upon you. And he launches in then, Jesus does to this third story. And the third story, after he set them up now with about things have value, he starts talking about a lost son, the prodigal son. And and there's a tie-in that they would get, and and if you haven't thought about it, you may not have made the connection. It resonates back to Genesis, in particular to Jacob. Now, Jacob is Israel. And if you remember the story of Jacob, Jacob, um, fascinatingly, is uh, he has some character issues. Not like any of us. And and he actually cheats his brother out of something that belongs to his brother. Do you, you know the story? You can go back and read it. But he cheats his brother. He steals his blessing, basically. He takes it away. And the older brother is not very happy about that at all when he figures out what's happened. And so Jacob has to leave in disgrace. He's got to get out of town pretty quick. And he goes to another country. And he's there for a long time before he can come back. When he comes back, you know what he has to deal with? An angry older brother. Okay, so, so kind of have that in mind when you start looking at the story of the prodigal son. And you should read this later. I, I don't have all the verses here for you, but it's the end of Luke 15. And, and so you, you connect with the story. It's, a, it's about um, the exile and restoration. So the son in the story... Uh, 
he, he wants his inheritance. And in effect, what he says to his father is, I'm tired of waiting around for you to die to get what's mine. Give it to me now. It's like as, as rude as you could possibly be. He wants it his way, not the father's way. And if you can at some point make some connections with this in your own life, it would be good. All right. And, and so I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it my way. So give me what's got coming to me. And amazingly, the father acquiesces and says, OK, now it's not as simple as, uh, you know, the father goes into the back room and grabs out the cash drawer and gives him a bunch of money. His inheritance is all wrapped up in this estate, the farm and everything. So for him to cash out, they would have had to sold, sell part of. The family property. That would have brought huge disgrace on the family. So his actions are bringing this huge disgrace because he wants to go and do it his way. He brings shame, like that other story in, that we, in Genesis, right? And, and he goes to another country and he's there. And in this other country, things go bad, which is a picture of exile in, to the point where he ends up feeding pigs. It's like, this is what exile looks like. Uh, and culturally back then, feeding pigs was like, the, the, you, you didn't mess with pigs. And he's feeding pigs. And he's actually hungry for pig food, it says. And, and that's how, it's a picture of exile. And what happens in exile finally is he comes to his senses. Finally. He goes, oh, I think my father was right. I think his way was probably better than my way. But I've completely blown it now. There's no way I can go back. But, but you know, even the servants back there had it, have it better than I have here. Maybe if I go back and just, just beg and, and say the right things. It's not, I won't be a son, but maybe I could be a servant. And, and so he, he starts on the journey with that hope. He's like, oh, I, yeah, wow. And, and he comes back and I don't deserve to be your son. But look what happens before he can get there, before he can even unload the whole thing that he's worked up about how bad he is and all the mess that he's made. The father goes running to him. That would have never happened. That picture hitches up his robe, goes running. See, that's the heart of the father for his lost son. That's the value that lost things have. The father goes out and goes, whoo, and he loves him and he hugs him and bring the ring and bring the the sandals and let's do what let's party why because my son was lost and now he's found and this party erupts guess who's not happy the older brother on the older brother's like you know and and if, if you go and look at it he says he says to the father who because the father see the father loves the older brother because he comes out and say hey come on you're not celebrating and the the older brother says that son of yours. Oh, you've got to catch these things when you read the parables. Not my brother. Not my younger brother who stole from me and that's left in disgrace. And he's come back now. And you've just said, let's party. You haven't had a party with me. And I've been following all the rules. And the father says, you're missing the point. It's not about that. It's about you. You're here. You're part. You're in a relationship. All the relationship you want is available. He was lost, but he's come back. And we're going to celebrate because that's what needs to happen. God wants to be in relationship with his people. And we're going to celebrate when that happens. That's what happens in heaven. That's why when, when one person, it says, realizes that they've been lost and in exile and under foreign rule, and they turn and come to their senses, that God doesn't beat them up and say, you were so bad. He says, welcome home, my child. Let's party. The kingdom is here. That's why we celebrate. I want to read you this passage. This is out of Ezekiel 37. 
And, and it's, it's right to party because the new thing has begun. The people would have known this. And there's, as we read this, see, in the body of Christ, when things happen, you know, God uses all kinds of creative things because God is creative. And you start seeing sometimes in the songs and the things that are happening, and there's a theme in a lot of the music right now about dry bones coming back, about people coming out of the grave. We sing a lot of those songs. They're, there's happening. Well, a lot of that's based on this. And this is a picture of what happens at the end of exile. And you, you need to see it that way. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. This is Ezekiel 37. And set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he, he led me back and forth uh, among them. I'm sorry, my clicker is not doing its thing. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now it, now it worked too good. I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, catch that, the word. Now, we've been talking about the word. Jesus is the word. And the word came and the word dwelt among us. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I was prophesying. There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. The bones began to rattle. You know that's we do that, right? And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain, that they may have life. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone, we're cut off, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. And I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is a picture of what happens when the kingdom comes, when the kingdom is upon you. And what's happening is Jesus is there and he's saying the kingdom is here. What's going to happen when Jesus dies and and then rises again? He says, listen, I'm going to send you Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the breath. It's, It's the wind. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you come back to life. It's not something that's going to happen. It's something that happens when you know Jesus, when you repent and are forgiven. These things happen and things begin to change. And it's a reason to celebrate. Go look this week in John chapter 20 and see what happened. What Jesus, you know what Jesus does? He rushes back to the disciples after he defeats death. You know what he does? <sighs> Dry bones. Breath. That's what happens with us. See, but, but we have to figure out when we, when we approach these things. The kingdom is here. It may not be what we look like, but we understand it's a bigger thing than we could have imagined. 
And are we going to engage and press in, knowing that, that, that life is found in these relationships? Or are we just going to go, well, no, just tell me the rules and I'll do that and miss what's happening? Are we going to rejoice or are we going to be like the older brother? He said, you know, I want it for me, but listen, see, it's not us against them. And sometimes that can happen. We can get that mindset. And we miss what really matters. It's us for them. God wants to bless the world through you. People are lost and need to be found. They need to come and know Jesus. We have an enemy. It's not those people. It's the enemy. And, And the vast army, when the Holy Spirit comes, is us engaging in a spiritual battle. That, that understands what that is. But the biggest way that we are in that battle is we come and one at a time we introduce people to life in the kingdom. The kingdom is here. We celebrate it. We rejoice with it. We are, we're amazed as God continues to move and change people. That's what's happening. Dry bones are coming to life. Things are changing. The kingdom is here. Time to celebrate. That's what's going on in the parable. We'll get more into this next week, Mark chapter 7, but... That's enough for today. Alice, my love, why don't you come? And let's pray. And, and listen, um, we're going to start slowly going back to this too. We, we're going to pray for you up here, but sometimes people need some prayer. And we always had this, but then COVID happened and we pulled away. But ministry team, those that I've talked to about this earlier, if you could go over there. If you need some prayer today, if you would like somebody to pray for you, there will be people over there who will pray for you. And... Uh, and uh, that's something that we would love for you to take advantage of if you are here. But, Papa, we are grateful and thankful for who you are. And, God, for the life that you give us and the breath of Holy Spirit. And that, that you want relationship with us. That's your heart's desire. Not just a bunch of rule followers. You want people that love you, whom you can love and partner with and celebrate with and rejoice with. In the things that are happening now and will happen. And so we, we come and, and we just offer you all that we are, God. And, and we don't want to be like the older brother and, and miss it. We just offer ourselves to you, God. Come, have your way in us. Fill us once again. Refresh us. Renew us. Restore us. So that we can celebrate with you. Amen. I felt like the Lord spoke to me this week and told me that um, someone that you're going through a health crisis and it's really upset you and it's about your heart and you're almost at the point of despair. And God, God wants you to know that the, the valley of despair is where hope is born. And he doesn't want you to be afraid. Be strong and courageous, he says, for I am with you and I'm guiding you and I'm holding your hand and I won't let you go. And... Um, Kimberly had one this week as well that she texted me, and she said, I feel that someone has decided that you don't want to keep living the life the way you have up to this point. You've taken off your old life, and you're ready to try this whole Jesus thing. But now you feel sort of like a bare mannequin exposed and not sure what to do or how to be. Holy Spirit wants you to know how eager he is to clothe you in your new glory garments, in your new self. He has so many good things to tell you about your new self. And I encourage you to get in the word and listen for him. 
if either of those things speak to your heart when Steve closes, go and tell someone and get prayer. Amen. And I, you know, I also think prayer-wise, the and in first service we had this stuff that there's some some things that some physical things that that you can get prayer for. And and for this, it's a I feel like somebody has a problem with a heel, your heel, uh, and uh, I don't know whether it's bruised or something's happened, but you, well then go get it. Good job. And and uh, also, Amen. That's the way to get it. Also. Uh, and this could be the same person, but it, it could be multiple people. It's a forgiveness issue. There's someone here who has, uh, is, is really struggling with receiving forgiveness. And there's someone really struggling with extending it. And it could be the same person and that you're stuck because of those two things. But if that's you and that speaks to you, please get some prayer for that before you go. And anything else, even if we haven't said it, if you need prayer for anything, it's good sometimes. Just have somebody with, with skin on. Just be with you and encourage you. So if you need prayer for any of those things, please go and get them. Remember, this journey starts by knowing Jesus, guys. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? Best decision you'll ever make. And and do that because that's where things start. Thanks again for your amazing generosity, church. We are are so blessed to be partnered with you in the things that God is doing here. And uh, let's sing a doxology and then uh, we'll dismiss and you can get prayer and all those good things. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll get those doors open for you in a minute. Head out that way. If you need prayer, please go and get prayer before you go. Thanks for being here, guys. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for watching online. God bless you guys as well. Mark 7 next week. Um, Jump into that. It's going to be really good. Thanks for being here this week. God bless you guys. See you soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye. i got to go open that.